It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, December 28th, and you're listening to episode 448. It is very close to the end of the year. I am excited to celebrate the end of 2020 with my pal Julio. How's it going? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. Feliz Navidad a todo el mundo. It's been Christmas for 2020. Yes. Hopefully nothing caught on fire, especially that Christmas tree, huh? <laughs> right. Any, any turkey fryer fires this year? I think we're over that now. I think people got the gist that those are not safe. Use them outside. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm, It's definitely exciting to come into this new year. Of course, it doesn't mean that things are probably going to be changing much, but uh, it's definitely... It'll like, take time. Like a like a new year comes and there's definitely a new possibilities for everything. You know, remember when that happened from yep. 2019 to 2020? Uh, yeah, times. <laughs> we were like, "Oh, it's coming." No, it's not. It's uh, it's bad. Um, but hey, you know what? Uh, we we cannot uh, let ourselves leave 2020 without really giving it a good postmortem of yeah what what we experienced and. Uh, and yeah, I was excited to have you on to talk about this. And you and I of the group have probably been the two most active designers over the last year, just because of circumstances. And, um, and you know, so we're, uh, yeah, I thought we'd kind of recap everything that we went through, um, answering, uh, we're going to answer seven questions, uh, which doesn't yeah. sound like a lot, but they are, they are big questions. And some of them have very, very interesting answers. Some of the answers are things that I'm confident the builders haven't even heard about yet. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and uh, I definitely wanted to have a lot of them be positive because obviously throughout the whole year it's been a lot of negativity for good reason, right? And and at the same time, I I encourage uh, the builders to just answer these questions as well, just reflect on everything that's happened, absolutely. Uh, and 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 think about the the good stuff because there's it's always easy to remember the the negative things in life, but there's a lot of yep positive nuggets out there that we definitely forget sometimes. Yeah. I, f- I feel like we, uh, when I'm looking at this and the answers to the questions, I feel like most of the questions, I feel positive about the answers. Um, even where it's lessons learned, I feel like it was good lessons learned, you know? So yeah, but I'm excited. Awesome, so I, awesome. We probably should jump right into it because I have a feeling uh, these questions are going to take a while because you and I are two of the talkiest people on the show. <laughs> so <laughs> paired up together, I think we may be looking at a longer episode. So we're going to try and do this. No um, problem. I think the, so, the listener will enjoy it anyway. Yes. Yeah, so the so the first thing, starting with a positive question, question number one, and Julio, if you want to, I'll let you go first on this. Uh, okay. The question is: In 2020, what went better than you expected it to? Yeah, so so this is one of the questions I proposed because of the whole a lot of bad things happened. So if you ask what went worse that you expected, there's a whole list that we could talk for, <laughs> the for whole days, year. right? Uh, but there's definitely sometimes better things that happened, and and for me, I obviously I got a lot of personal professional goals uh, that that happened this year. So it was definitely a, a year of growth. Um, and I think it, that may be the case for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, for me, I, I, I definitely pushed myself to do new things. And the reason for that was because I was staying at home, right? All of us were staying at home. Yeah. And, yep. and I wanted to use that time to some sort of advantage that could, you know, grow in some way. And, and you know, one of them... It's it's definitely on the design aspect, learning new skills and stuff like that, and and we can talk about that a little later. But uh, uh, personally, professionally, uh, I I took a lot of time, a chunk of time, to study for my professional engineering exam. And as the builders know, I talked about this a couple of months ago, and and I actually received my result a couple of days ago, and I passed my test. Um, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So it was definitely one of those things that while I was going through it, it was rough. Um, it was four months of actually, like spending 20, 25 hours a week on top of everything else. Wow. 
studying. And then I, I traveled to New York to do that, uh, to take the exam and, and then waited for 10 weeks to get the results. So it was a big process. And ultimately I got the result that you passed. So that was one of those things that I took the time <laughs> to grow. And, and because a lot of the times uh, I was actually, when it came to that professional part of things, with the design aspect of things, I was enjoying that so much that I was pushing aside the the engineering part of things with when it came to taking that exam because I knew it was going to take a lot of time. So when yeah. the whole pandemic and quarantine thing happened, I'm like, I'm putting my foot down. I'm going to study. And mm -hmm. and I did. And, and I passed. Obviously, it would have sucked a lot if after all that I would have right. failed my exam. But it is one of those things that if you put your time into it and, and you'll definitely, you, you'll definitely do well because that's usually how thing how things go. Of course, not always, but, uh, I was definitely confident in, in that aspect. So that definitely yeah. went better than I expected. I, I put a, uh, invested a lot of time into my personal growth. Awesome. So how about you? Yeah. So for me, um, things that went way better than I expected. And I, I've, I've touched on this before on the show, you know, I, at the beginning of the year, I was really well at the point where we realized that everything was getting canceled. I got real nervous about being able to do a few things. Um, mm -hmm. and the three really big things for me were going to conventions and pitching, uh, also seeing lots of friends at those places. And then finally, you know, doing my co-designing work that I do a lot of, yeah. Um, and all of those things seemed very much in jeopardy over the course at the beginning. You know, once we realized things were going downhill, once it became pretty apparent, um, I got I got real afraid. But I'll tell you what, uh, as I mentioned on the show before, pitching went great. I had so many good interactions with publishers over the year um, just because it really um, things really, uh, you know, opened up with publishers wanting to hang out online and chat about stuff rather than yeah. waiting for conventions um, that didn't happen. You know, I, I found that I, I doubled down on hanging out with friends online, um, especially earlier in the pandemic. And I've, I've slowed down a bit about that, uh, but I would like to speed back up with it again and see more people. Um, you know, I really felt like we really got to see, I got more FaceTime with friends this year than I normally would uh, just by seeing them at conventions, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and then finally, co-designing was something that I, I did a lot of this year. Uh, some of those co-designs were successful as in to say we moved on and, and are doing things with them. Others, you know, we didn't get time to finish them, uh, but they all led themselves to some really solid interactions with others and some good breakthroughs on some some games and some game design. And, and because of that, I just feel very fortunate that things worked out the way they did. And I, I never around May would have said, yeah, this is going to this is really going to be great. Um, yeah, it that, was, it really was. That's actually a good point. I mean, I agree with both of those on, on my part as well. Um, and I think, uh, the whole thing with obviously conventions being canceled and, and publishers holding, uh, meetings online, I think it definitely became a little more accessible in a sense. Um, like earlier in the year, I did the whole, um, event, uh, what was it called? I, I forgot at this, um, Good podcasting here. Uh, I don't remember, but it was the whole England event where it was mass market pitching. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I don't remember what it's called, but I remember you went to it and it was like all the time, 24 hours, they were doing it a day. Yeah, so that was definitely, I definitely met a lot uh, more people when it came to pitching because of everything being online. So that was definitely a positive. And, and when it came to design, I... I also, I think most of my designs were also mainly co-designs this year. So, so that was definitely a way to keep yourself accountable with other people for sure. Absolutely. Right. Yep. 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 All right. So, so that, there's definitely some good stuff that, that happened because yeah. of the pandemic, of course. So keep that in mind. So um, the next question here, and I'll, I'll take this one first, um, is knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently this year? And I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit on what I just said and what went better than I thought. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the interactions that I had with friends and that I had with co-designers. But what I would have done is 
I would have sharpened my focus earlier on. Um, you know, when things were up in the air in the beginning, it was a lot of like, I just want to work with people and work on stuff. Um, and a lot of that turned into, I want to hang out with co-designers who happen to be friends. Right. So hung out, we did some stuff. We did a little bit of work on some games. Uh, but like, realistically, I didn't like, if I would have started at the beginning and said, I'm going to work on these three projects, I would have gotten further than if I had said, I'm just going to go crazy and work on a bunch of stuff because <laughs> I really just want to be out there and working on things and feeling like I'm moving forward. And yeah. I realized that working on less, I still was able to feel like I was moving forward. Um, but again, it's a trade-off because I probably would have had less interactions with friends. Um, and I, I wouldn't give that up for anything. Um, but I do think that I probably could have done both. I could have been more focused and still had those same interactions with friends and had a few more designs further along than I hoped right now. Yeah, that's definitely one of those things that um, it, it's a tricky question because everything that happened happened because of what happened, right? So it, it's definitely easy to say, oh, I would have done this differently. It's obviously the, the right thing to do, but maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to work on the three games that you're working now if you hadn't worked on 15 games before, right? <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, you never know how the things worked out and how it would have happened. But, you know, best guess I can say is I, I would have liked to I would have liked to, you know, drill in a little more right from the beginning. Um, yeah, because that's a, that's a problem I have in general, where I like to work on lots of things, knowing that some of those things likely won't come to fruition. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think other people do the same. And sometimes you know, I think the, the tough part is when one of us says this is the project that's coming to fruition and, and then the co-designer, whether it's myself or someone else, you kind of feel like they don't feel that way. <laughs> and then you're like, OK, we're going to pause this one and I'm going to work on something else. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is definitely one of those things I, I've I've definitely not get got to know myself a little more when working with other people. Um, I was always the kind of guy that likes to take initiative in things and 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 uh, try to move things along. And and when it comes to design, I, I like to be pushy and push others to, like I push myself. So I may be uh, set high expectations of of people. So, so that's definitely one thing that I will probably wind down on co-designs as well. Uh, because uh, at one point, it, it, it is definitely useful with getting more motivation from others and, and, and uh, you know, Playing tennis, mm -hmm. ideas-wise, bouncing back and forth ideas, and that's great. Uh, but at the same time, I think sometimes you you, you work a little uh, better uh, alone. Um, but that doesn't really take away from from the experiences that I've had. And and I've actually signed, uh, a, you know, actually uh, uh, one game this year that was a co-design, my first co-design with Matt Wolf from Game Designers in North Carolina. And I'm actually in the process of signing another one that's a co-design. So it worked out to, to a certain extent. Uh, so I definitely won't be opposed awesome. to it. Uh, now, it is funny that, you know, I said earlier that you wouldn't know what you know now. So, of course, you wouldn't make this different decisions. But uh, so I would say, you know, I wouldn't change anything because everything that happened happened and took me where I'm at right now. But definitely looking back. I, I would have decided to take care of myself more in, in a, you know, because I definitely push myself uh, mentally a lot, uh, not just because of the whole studying or the designing, also did like a whole promotion, temporary promotion at work. And there was a time where that my, my mind was all over the place. It was, it was very stressful situation with, and, and then COVID on top of that, of course. Um, right, right. So, so taking care of myself, uh, I, I, I'm feeling kind of the, a little fatigue at the end of the year. Um, you know, kind of stuff like exercising and eating better. I, I could have definitely done better on that kind of stuff, um, as well. So of course with the new year, there's the whole thing. Okay. I got to do better this year and all that, but that's just, it has to be a whole, uh, state of mind type of deal and, and not making resolutions and that kind of thing, which is usually what people go towards as a little kickstart thing. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely got to watch out for my health. And now that uh, as listeners know, 
I'm, I'm having a baby soon. Um, we're really excited. At uh, this point, uh, my wife is 38 weeks. So by the time you hear this, the baby may be, may be out in this world now. But um, we're definitely excited, and, and I want to do the best for for uh, my my baby boy. It's going to be a boy. I don't know if I said that. So Yes. So it's definitely it's definitely uh, exciting uh, at that point. So um, I it, it's it's a, a lot of mistakes were made this year, but I'm glad that I made them. Awesome. What do we got All next? Right. Next question: What was your favorite new design that you worked on this year? Uh, so I went through my list of designs. Uh, and I actually designed 10 games this year and six of them were co-designs. So yes, the majority were co-designs. Um, and a lot of the things I did this year, the re- design wise, while I still designed those games, I, I revisited a lot of older designs and out of that came my newest design, uh, which again, we, we may just do, a. uh, a pitch here uh, in the middle of the podcast, a new thing. Uh, but this is a the, <laughs> the, the newest design that I've got, and it's actually kind of uh, the one that I'm most motivated on. Uh, the past four weeks, I've been playtesting. Like in four weeks, I probably playtested this game seven or eight times, which is a lot to say. And, you know, doing it online. And, yeah. and I had friends over and playtested it and, and trying to do as much as I can. Of course, the game is called uh, Undead Company. Um, and the reason why I decided to do this game is because it came as a Frankenstein project because um, I have, uh, of course, a lot of uh, game ideas that don't come to fruition in some way or even uh, things that just worked at some aspect but maybe were removed at some point in the process. And, and I had right. a... And I just had uh, some a lot of really good ideas that I wanted to bring together in one project. And then in this game, you are uh, players are necromancers that are bringing back to life dead adventurers uh, to go back on the dungeon that killed them and for one last run. Um, and in this game, you're essentially it's essentially kind of like a, um, a splendor type uh, game where you're gathering uh energy and and converting into things right so in this game you're taking energy from the from the bodies of the freshly deceased and using that energy to bring Mm -hmm. back adventurers and so it's kind of like a cemetery type deal and you and the adventurers are are 10 types and they're you know kind of a dnd type you got rogue warlock wizard uh ranger paladin cleric monk there's 10 of them and then there's five colors so each adventure on the background has two colors and the way it works essentially you don't have any numbers on the cards you just have the type of adventure and the two colors and where they are located on the on the graveyard is how much you're going to pay for them so the tombstones have a number ranging from two to eight and that is essentially the amount of energy that you have to spend. And the background of the adventure determines what two colors you you use. Uh, so, for example, the... the oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So the Blizzard Ranger, let's say it's ice and, and blue and, and white, uh, and it's on an eight tombstone, you have to spend eight energy split between blue and white. So you can do seven blue and one white or four blue and four white, however you want to do it. Uh, one of the main mechanisms that you're using for this energy is a storage mechanism that I incorporated from a different game. And it's a, essentially a meter. Uh, so you start by taking your cubes and you put it on the bottom of the meter. And as you add more cubes, the meter goes longer. So it grows. And the older the energy gets, the more powerful it becomes. So you're not just using you know, this blue cube at the start, it's just one blue cube, but uh, later in the game, it may be, become four blue cubes uh, because it, it, it grows older, the energy. Um, so that's one of the mechanisms mm-hmm. that I wanted to use. And the other one, which is kind of the, the one that I'm really excited about, is the whole scoring mechanism. 
So there's also no numbers in the scoring mechanism here. Uh, so the whenever you resurrect adventurers, you're researching their mind to find out what rooms are there in the in the dungeon. And the scoring mechanism is mm -hmm. essentially a row of cards that is going to be the dungeon at the end of the game that everybody's going to go through. Um, and each card, same as similar to the adventurers, has one color on the background and then two adventurers. And that is essentially a pass or fail mechanism. Um, if you have one of the adventurers, you you're just gonna lose a point, lose uh, a, a life because you have a life as a as a necromancer. If you don't have mm -hmm. neither, you lose three life, and if you have both, you gain a life. So it's actually like a okay. obstacle course type deal that you're trying to go through. Um, and that's another mechanism that I took from a different game. Uh, and essentially, it has that tension element as everybody places these rooms. So everybody's working towards them. And when the game end is triggered, you just flip the dungeon card and start going through card by card. And people start losing life. And people start dropping one by one. And whoever makes it farthest in the dungeon wins. That sounds really fun. Yeah. that's. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the idea of mashing up these these different mechanics to make that. That... You, you've talked about that a bit before, but I think that's the most in detail you've explained it. And yeah, I really want to see how this game works. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm up for inviting you for a playtest. At this point, I don't think we've, we haven't uh, playtested anything on ta Tabletop Simulator, so we, we may have no, to No, but together. I would love to try it on there. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely the, the one that has me the most excited because it has a lot of interesting things going on uh is obviously still have some kinks here and there that i'm working out that's obviously what i'm play testing it a lot uh but it's definitely getting there i'm excited what about you what you what's your favorite Excellent. new design yeah so my favorite new i've worked on quite a few different games uh like you did this year and some of them made it all the way or made it a lot closer than others uh but by far my absolute favorite is is a game that uh, doesn't have a full name yet uh, right now we're just calling it project plumber uh, because it is uh, the platformer game uh -huh. uh, that uh, that uh, Jonathan Schaffer and I are working on together. Uh, so the way this game works is you are um, a uh, you are a robot going back to a uh, going back to a world that used to be like a machine world, uh, but no one's been there for a long time. Everything's all overgrown and such. And you are your job is to uh, go through collect resources. Um, and then try to um, work through this this map of the area, um, basically turning things back on, which scores you points for different things. Um, and so the way it works are there are uh, some double-sided cards. There are 22 double-sided cards. Mm -hmm. Those cards have platform levels on them, like you would see like in a Mario-style game, right? Yeah. Um, each card has is the cards go um, the cards go landscape. Um, and across each card, there are uh, three levels you could walk on, basically three floors. OK. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, and then there's also five like five positions on each floor. Like, you know what I mean? Like five slots kind of. Right. And in each slot, there's either nothing. There's an item that you might collect, like a gear, which are kind of like coins. Or maybe there's a ladder or maybe there's a gap. Um, or maybe there's crates with special items in them. And uh, so your job is to create a level of five cards. Um, and then you will move through the level and you're you generally you would like to move up if possible. When you set up cards, you, the cards you lay next to each other to line up always have to be either on the same level or one level higher. Meaning you have to either have all three levels lined up or you can adjust it up one level. So you have three levels on the first card and then the two levels are lining up with the top level sticking out from the next card. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And you're going to do that five times. And then based on where you started and where you exit, which floor on which card um, that will determine what you get to do when you get to the map. And we have this thing that we lovingly call the flagpole right now, because it's kind <laughs> of like the end of a Mario level. There'd be a flagpole depending on where you exit that determines um, that determines how much movement you'll get on the map. Um, now the map, what's really cool about the map is picture Super Mario World, uh, that kind of map of Dinosaur Island with yeah. every, or Dinosaur World with everything. You are going to be moving through that. You start with three places unlocked. 
Um, and those give you some cool options and some ways to score. Uh, but as you move and unlock new areas, which for generally you just have to move to them and you've unlocked them, sometimes they require you to have a key to get through. Um, depending on where you exit the flagpole, um, you may get a key from that. Um, but what I absolutely love about this game is the scoring. There is no real base scoring in the game. You unlock things and that's what you score. So if I want to be really good at collecting lots of gears as I run through the levels, um, I'm going to unlock spots where I can store gears and store and get points for them. And in this, we use stars as points. So, you know, in, in the first section where you can store your gears, you get one star for every gear. But way on the other side of that map, if you unlock that spot, you can get three stars for every gear you shove in there uh, in a storage. Uh, you can also... Yes, go ahead. Um, are people playing uh, on the same big map or, or is it no, separate? No, everyone, sorry. Everyone has their own map. Okay. Um, so everybody has a slightly unique map um, with the same types of things on it. Um, and uh, so as you're moving through, uh, and this, I should mention, this is a random and write game, a run and write, as we're calling it. Um, you, uh, you are marking on the map. And you're actually marking on the cards, which are dry erase as you do your path through the cards. So you gain resources as you move through the cards. Then you use movement from the, from the getting onto the map. And then you spend the resources you've earned off the cards Um, on the cards. There's also enemies that you can deal with either by taking damage from them or stopping them and getting points for that. If you're looking to get points from that. Right. Um, One of the unique things we have in the game that I'm really proud of, um, and this was Jonathan's idea, and I just love it, is we have this crate system where, um, think of it like a a Mario-style power-up when I hit a block, except for what comes out of that block depends on what I want it to be. So in the beginning, it's always going to be these jump boots that are going to let me go up a level between gaps. Um, So the the first time when I play, when I get that, I would have jump boots, at least right now. That may change, but... But later, I can unlock it so that maybe I want rocket shoes, which lets me jump over some obstacles, right? Or maybe I want it to give me a hammer so that I can bash enemies, right? And so when I go to that crate, I then get to select from all the things I've got and decide what I want to get. Um, If I go through two crates, I can have two items then, two different ones. There's also ways that you can unlock permanent upgrades so that I always have the hammer or I always have the jump boots or one of the other ones. Um, and, and by doing that, it really lets the player make some really cool decisions about, do I want that upgrade or do I want the points at the end of the game? And really to win, you need a balance of both, right? You got to find okay. that right balance. It's got a real fun drafting mechanic um, that's simple, but works really well for drafting the cards. Um, it's got power-ups that you can earn on the board to help you with your run, power-ups that can help you with the draft, power-ups that can help you on the map, or just points that can help you on the map. Some spaces are as easy as get to a point and boom, you, uh, you've got the, um, you know, you, you get those points at the end of the game. Um, so we're, we're really excited about it. It's, it's in TTS. Jonathan was able to make a run and write game work in TTS with drawing on the cards and such. And it's brilliant. Uh, I'd love to have you try it sometime. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This one, I I was just thinking about that. We can just do a, (laughs) a, a switch. Uh, we can play test each other's games on one night. Let's, let's set it up. Yeah, that'd be super fun. And uh, in this, so this notoriously was the game where I was struggling with the transition between the cards and what to do. And I had said I was going to make like a map thing, but I was envisioning it as a map with unlockables. And you really said, well, why not make it a map that you can really just move across and interact with in unique ways? And that was the spark that I needed. And um, the bad thing about that suggestion was I was like, I, like, I, knocked my head around for a good week and a half and could not figure out how to make that work. And I was like, I, I was thinking about wanting to work with another designer. And I was like, who do I know who's good at puzzles like this? And the first person that popped in my head was Jonathan Schaefer. He is so good. Um, Jonathan Schaefer is so good at puzzles. Um, and, you know, he's got his game right out now with Grand Game is Go the Kringle Caper, which is nice. a 18-card yeah. um, uh, escape room um, in a little tiny box. It's super cool. Highly recommend that. Um, so anyways, there's, there's only one uh, wrong thing with your logic there. I don't give bad suggestions. Okay. So there's, there wasn't anything wrong with my suggestion. I didn't say you gave a bad suggestion. It was I you didn't know that what I couldn't figure out. 
no, you're right. So I did what I'm good at, which was find someone who would complement what I'm good at with what they're good at, and we could work together. And it's been it's been really great. We have like just we've steamrolled on this game. We've done lots of play tests. Jonathan has been able to get lots of play tests online. I've been able to do some, and I, I just yeah. I'm super stoked about going into 2021 with this game. You'll you'll hear a lot more about this. Uh, this very likely is the game. Uh, well, I, right now that's the plan. This, this will be the first game that I will publish um, as nice. random and right games. So, and we're really stoked about it. Uh, we've got somebody working on art already, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So, so yeah, yes, so you are definitely very excited about there. this design. <laughs> you are very excited about this design for sure. <laughs> All right, so let's move it along. So you went. Uh, that was um, you, me, you, me. So yeah, so the next one. Um, so let's 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 bring it back a notch. Let's bring it back. Um, let's talk about failures and letdowns in uh -oh. 2020. So what were the hard things? Um, so my turn to go first, and uh, and I have a story to tell. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! So you know about this, but the builders don't. So just just last week, um, I had a publisher um decide that they didn't want to publish my game uh which is normal right that happens to all of us um the difference was and this has happened to this has happened to you before it's happened to me before uh but it doesn't get any easier publisher had had the game signed uh for a year and a half um and then they decided it just wasn't gonna fit with what they were looking for um and that was a real real bummer um that was that was rough um so i'm gonna go into some details on it i'm not gonna mention the name of the publisher um, I have no ill will towards them. There are some great people, um, but I'm not going to mention their name. If you really want to know, you can go figure it out by listening to old podcasts. If you want to <laughs> do that, good for you. But I'm just, I'm just going to leave it out for now. Um, they did give me permission to talk about this though, which was very kind of them because I always ask. Um, and if a publisher says absolutely not, then I wouldn't. Um, but so after working on development for about a year and a half with the game, um, I sold them the game Flood. Uh, which was my pull and write game, um, which I, I love. I love the core mechanic of it, uh, which is using polyaminos to draft cubes off a resource board and, uh, and then build things with it. And uh, they took it and we uh, worked together closely and um, they gave me a lot of direction of what they wanted to see and where they wanted to go. We changed the theme. We did a lot of development work on it. Um, and it brought the game to a point where they weren't interested anymore. Um, which, which was tough, right? Because it was, I was following their direction and I'm, again, I'm not besmirching them. Um, you know, they, they thought they knew what the game could be and that it would work for them. And when they got to the point where it had become this big game, which of course I'm notoriously not good at designing big games. It's not my thing. Um, you know, they found, uh, that it just didn't fit with them anymore. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I, it, it, it puts a lot of doubt in your head. Yeah. I can tell you that the last time this happened, um, many, many years ago um, now, it was really, really hard on me. Now, you know, um, now it is what it is. Um, I was very frustrated um, because I, I, Julio, you and I texted about this a bit. I, I spent a lot of time working on the game for them. Um, you know, and as designers, we kind of do that on spec. I, I did get an advance, um, which I get to keep. Um, because that's, you know, how contracts work. Um, but, but it was still, Good. it was still tough. Um, and they, so also they didn't just say, we're cutting you loose. They said, Hey, your contract is expiring, uh, because they plan to have the game out already. Um, this was going to be a quicker turnaround game, you know, and then it, development took a little longer and then 2020 happened and they decided yeah. that we, you know, we're going to slow it down and in slowing it down, we just realized that it didn't really fit with their company. Um, but that said again, um, Oh, so sorry. So my contract was basically expiring um, at the end of the year. So they said, we're going to choose not to renew it. They did offer me the chance to do some work on it and bring it back to which I declined. Um, and that's simply because I feel like I can, as a personally, I can walk away and still be friends with people. Um, but if I were to go back and do a bunch more work and try to come back and repitch it and get shot down again, I don't trust myself to be okay with that. Yeah. So, um, you Good know, idea. and also like, yeah. So that said right now, my big plan is to strip the game down back to that core mechanic. Um, you know, the core mechanic is something I really believe in. 
Um, and it's it, this, the core mechanic is what sold the game. What I did realize was they got away from one piece of the core mechanic that I think was particularly part of kind of the charm and magic of the game, which was that you draft, you use these polyomino shapes uh, to draft these cubes off the board, but the polyominoes are different tools, right? That you could use. Yeah. Um, and the catch was that I would draft those to get the different resources I needed and the better, the, um, the bigger the tool, right? Um, like if I had a big like axe, I could draft four cubes with it. Um, but I can't do fine finishing work with that. So you got two drafts around. So you needed to focus on balancing with like good gathering tools and good building tools, because you would have to take the tools you gathered with and turn around and use those that turn to build what you wanted to build. Um, so it was that balance of like, do I be greedy or do I, you know what I mean? Like, how do I play this back and forth? And there's, yeah. of course, limits to the resources you can hold on to. So I'm I'm really jazzed about getting back into that game. Um, I need to put up in Tabletop Simulator kind of the original base version of the game um, and just start noodling around with it some more and getting some people's eyes on it to see what they think of it. Yeah, I think it, obviously the, that sucks a lot, uh, especially if you, since you've worked on the game for so long and then for them to pass on it like that, it... It, it does leave a bad taste in your mouth. Doesn't matter how amicably you want to have it end. Uh, it, it is definitely right, right. one of those things that you know pushes you away from working with them in the future. Uh, at least for me. Um, and and yeah, I would think twice about it. That's for sure. Um, I would make sure that they felt like what I had was ready to go. Um, in that we weren't going to do you know any long development path. Yeah, sure. and and obviously the whole 2020 put put a put a little uh you know hijink on on a lot of people's plans, right? Uh, for example, for me, I did have a, a I do have a game that signed, and I and I contacted the publisher about the status, and they said we're gonna push it to next year because we're c concentrating on our existing IPs because that's what people know, and and putting right, their right time and 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 resources on something new it's a little risky at this point and i'm okay with that um so so definitely 2020 uh is it, it was it was rough on all of us uh, on that part as well and and before i get into mine and if only you knew somebody that's doing something related to random and write that can work on it and yeah, and, right. and maybe publish it so Maybe maybe something to think about once you you bring it back up to snuff. I, I did. I did have that thought. Actually, when I was talking <laughs> to my wife about it, she was like, this is a game you could publish, though. And I the there are some bigger moving parts in it, even though it's a smaller game. Um, there are it's a little component heavy just because of the cubes and yeah. such. Um, so it might just be a little bigger than I want to do. Um, but yeah, well, I, as, I, a, as it is, is now, an option. as it is now, it's a little bigger, but you can change that. You're the designer, right? That is true. I <laughs> but, guess. I mean, I try. I like to say I am. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. So for so failures and letdowns for me, I I had a similar thing, and I talked about this earlier in the year, uh, where a, the second game that I were signed uh, was released back to me, uh, and I won't get into it if everybody wants to hear about that. I I got no problem with mentioning the publisher or the game because again, uh, everything ended amicably and stuff like that. Um, uh, so essentially the, the problem with this one was that there was not a lot of communication. Uh, there was maybe one time and then months passed and they weren't talking to me or anything. So I just went straight up and asked, and this was before the quarantine. It was February. I went back and checked. Um, and I asked, you know, are, are, are you still planning on, on, on publishing this game? And they said, no. Uh, and you know, I, we just went through the whole, reversion rights clause and stuff like that and and that was it so it was definitely a, a i guess the big letdown earlier in the year and but i think the biggest one this year it, it relates to the games that were published and it's not not nothing negative of the games but actually the whole not going to conventions thing uh obviously it's a big letdown for everybody uh, for me I, I think it's one of those things that having your first games out on the market, it would have been awesome to be at Gen Con or Origins and see random people playing my game. Um, 
that you know that's, that's still ha- that still hasn't happened obviously because i'm not home every time so i'm not gonna walk somewhere and see people playing my game i mean i obviously have seen people po- posting pictures and that has kept me uh uh motivated on that pr- part but it's not the same i definitely uh i am looking forward to getting conventions back up and and i'll have that opportunity yeah. again hopefully in the future but i definitely miss that having those first games published and seeing people playing it and not knowing that I'm the designer and just, it, it would have been awesome. And I think I'll still have that opportunity in the future, but I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry that I missed that this year. Um, and yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And, and a couple of other things, it's just rejections in general. Those always are sucky. Uh, but uh, with a lot of, of pitching this year, being online, I, I pitched a lot of things and I got rejected a lot of times. Um, so that's just a, a, a constant at this point. So uh, it's definitely there, there. There were some ups and downs, but those are kind of the, the, the big ones. So ultimately, with uh, I think a lot of positive things happen that outweigh those negative ones. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Next one. Back to back to happy times. Um, yeah. What are the new skills you learned that you're most excited about? Oh, um, yes. Uh, I, I've talked about this in the in the past, but I definitely I said earlier that I wanted to grow and, and on design on the design front. Uh, I, I said that I bought myself a 3D printer and I learned how to use that. I learned how to use tabletop simulator and that has been so useful, of course, for any playtesting. I did count how many mods did I have. Of course, there's um, of individual games. I had like 15 different games on Tabletop Simulator. And between those 15 games, it's like 52 mods because I do changes and stuff like that. So I've been very busy on Tabletop Simulator this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it's funny how they, they work with each other, the 3D printing and, and Tabletop Simulator, because um i any any 3d uh modeling that i do for a 3d printer i can just incorporate it into tabletop simulator and that's that's actually that's really cool um i talked about the last time i was in i talked about uh suminagashi the art of painting on water yeah Um, yeah. and i actually managed to get that on tabletop simulator i i modeled the tiles and you can change the transparency on tabletop simulator of the colors and actually works really well oh, wow. it, it even cool. does the color changing a bit it's not as good as as physically but when you lay blue over red it looks a little purple so that's pretty cool um very cool yeah and and the big one also was nandek um of course with with a lot of play testing being online uh that involves that there's usually a lot of the uh, card designs you know uh a lot of designs that have cars or ta- or boards or or anything that's flat right uh and nandek just made any iteration of cards or tiles so easy uh so that was definitely one of those tools that that helped me a lot and i'm glad yeah, that i sure. that i learned it and on a more um silly front I learned to search, you know, how to search efficiently anything regarding my release games, any reviews, any photos, oh, nice. <laughs> just, just being online and searching just to hear what people are thinking and stuff like that. That's obviously, uh, of course, there's the negative parts of it as well, but I, I learned how to do that, how to search efficiently for your games and what people think of them. <laughs> Very cool. That is a, a good and scary thing. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So for me, um, I also delved into Tabletop Simulator a bit more. Um, you know, I I learned Nandek, uh, which was exciting, um, and then got a new Mac, and now Nandek doesn't work with it, so that was oh. less exciting. Uh, I learned a bit of Component Studio, should learn more, um, but uh, really, Tabletop Simulator was the big focus. Um, I really to uh, kind of this is kind of a goal for next year, I guess. But I got like so I got a laminating machine this year, and really for the few prototypes I made, being that I'm doing more roll and write stuff, it was actually super duper helpful to have. 
Yeah. Um, so because of that, uh, I really want to focus on continuing that that improvement of prototype skills. Uh, I don't want to get a 3D printer um, just because it's just, um, I, I don't, first of all, I don't think it's something that I need as much as somebody like you are like 3D printers were made for designers like you, right? I mean, like you're like, Hey, I want to make this weird part. I'll just print it. Um, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to use something to make easy tiles and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I was actually looking at like a cry cut machine Mm -hmm. Um, one of the better ones that can actually cut like chipboard, um, and you know, um, small pieces of like balsa wood and stuff like that. Um, that really looked interesting to me. So once conventions, you know, are closer to getting back up and running, I think I may invest in something like that to kind of continue, like trying to make it easier to make new prototypes, um, that do different things. So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I, like I said, I, I was stoked about finding some new hacks this year for that. I, I'd like to continue to find more. Um, but yes, obviously I also need to keep my head down a tabletop simulator because that's not going anywhere. That's kind of become expected now that designers are using it before it was like, Oh, I've got it in this. And publishers are like, Oh, okay. I might use that. But now publishers are like, do you have it in tabletop simulator? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And and if you if you find out anything about the whole uh, any cry cut machine or any tool regarding that, that will definitely be useful for for me as well because doing tabletop simulator your prototypes through there, you you get become a little spoiled at some point because you it's do, really easy, right. right? It's just oh, update this whole deck and done. Like, yep, yep, yep. So, so when it comes to cutting cardboard and and chipboard and stuff like that, I've always searched for something like you know laser cutters and stuff like that. But those are really expensive. Um, yeah. So the 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 cry cut machines I saw that could do what I'm describing without the cutting the actual like balsa wood and stuff. 200 to 200 250 bucks. So it's yeah. not crazy expensive. What I don't know is how much like the stock will cost for it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then also can my printer print on chipboard? That's the one thing I didn't look for when I got a printer, because why would I need a printer that could print on chipboard? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, whereas, cause I don't think a cry cut machine just cuts. I don't think it prints. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing you can do to forego that is just print on a paper and then just glue it to yeah, your chipboard. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it's just not as easy, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, at that point, you just get an intern and and for the, to do it to you for you. <laughs> so, and it'll be cheaper too. Not at that point yet. <laughs> yeah, not at that point yet. <laughs> um so, yeah, so next question. Uh if I'm I'm first on this one, I think yeah. So, um what are you most proud of yourself for in 2020? Um, so this one for me, um, jumps right out of game design and, and just turns into personal stuff, you know? So, so 2020 for all of us was incredibly mentally taxing. And, you know, I've talked about the show on the show before about struggling with, I have OCD. I struggle with anxiety, depression, and 2020 was just made for that. Right. I mean, like yeah. just made to be a breeding ground for all of those things. And, you know, like I certainly had some downtimes and some, you know, some rough days or some rough times. Um, but overall, I felt like uh, mental health wise, I, I did pretty well this year. And and I can't say that two or three years ago that that would have been the same. And I'm pretty proud of myself for that because, yeah. um, you know, because I'm doing the right things. You know, I'm taking care of myself. I'm, you know, doing therapy when necessary. I'm, I'm taking medications when necessary. And and, you know, I'm taking those steps to really try to to fix the stuff and it shows. Um, and so. So, yeah, that's something I avoided for years. And uh, now that I'm doing it, uh, I'm proud of myself for that. And I'm I'm not ashamed to say that. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, that's definitely uh, one thing with with this whole year. It put a it, it, it was it was rough. It was rough and, and it's not over, you know, just because the year's over doesn't mean this whole thing goes away, right? We still got uh some some more time. There's definitely been talks about the vaccine and those are chipping out and stuff like that. And hopefully that works as intended. Um there's definitely been testing on that, right? We, like we do play testing, they did their own testing and seems to 
to all work well. So uh, hopefully we'll that we'll definitely have a new normal. Uh, things are not gonna go back as as it was, uh, but to a certain extent, it will normalize. Um, and we're I'm definitely excited for that. Uh, now, what am what am I proud of this year? Obviously, a lot of things I said uh, go into this with me taking that time and taking the P and passing the P test, uh, PE test, professional engineering test, not the P test, <laughs> not that like, kind of test. The P test. <laughs> Julio getting drug tested. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, uh, all the, the design stuff that I did and all the skills that I learned, that's, I'm proud of that. But obviously the... I think the one that I'm most proud of is just this whole transition to becoming a father, right? Um, obviously, you know, baby's not here yet and anything can happen. God willing, everything's going to be uh, uh, fine. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, just getting everything ready for, for that, right? Um, I, I took my time and, of course, getting the baby's room ready and, and how things change around the house now. And uh, obviously, I, I'm working from home <laughs> For the past nine months, I've been working from home. So having my own uh, home office space, share with my wife, and and I built some Murphy beds for to convert our office space and the baby's room into guest bedrooms when it comes when it comes time to it. So it's it's definitely I'm 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 just surprised of how much I got done this 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 year. Um, it definitely shows that you can you can do a lot of things. Um, when you're motivated to do so. And, and I definitely, a lot of times I feel like I just need a break and I, and I did, but, uh, just, just being at this point, looking back at the year and how many low points I, I had where I was just mentally exhausted and physically exhausted. And, and now looking at it, it's like, man, that really sucked, but I'm glad I went through it. Uh, and I'm and I'm yeah, and I'm proud for, for that. Sure. It was it was rough, and and it's not over, you know. Uh, not just on the pandemic, but obviously new um, uh, obstacles get in, in our way in different ways. Um, and and we gotta we don't know what that's gonna look like. Of course, nobody thought that a, a worldwide pandemic was gonna happen a year ago, right? Um, right. So sure. so that's you never know what's gonna happen. But uh, I think as as humans, you you we I'm definitely proud how how we can obviously overcome things uh, in different ways. Yeah, for sure. So agreed. Awesome stuff. All right. So the last the last question we've done well here. The last question, and it's just an easy one. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about games, though. Yeah. What Julio? Is the favorite new game you played this year in 2020? Oh, this is this one's easy, and I think uh, somebody may have talked about it uh, at some point in the podcast. But I got myself a copy of Just One. Um, that will oh, yeah. the, the Spiel des Jahres of uh, last year, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Um, and I mean, I just played it so much, it, obviously earlier in the year, I had a lot of people coming over for game nights and stuff like that. And it was a great, it is a great icebreaker game and not just that, oh, just yeah. playing it with my parents, my, my in-laws, they, it's just a, such an easy, easy game to understand. And it's so much fun and it, yep. it is different every single time. I, I agree 100% why I won the Spiel des Jahres. And this is the kind of game that I strive for, uh, right? One yeah, thing, one yeah. game that can everybody can play, easy to understand. It's just, it's just, um, you know, no game is perfect, uh, but this is, this is really close. Really yeah. close. Yeah. In this also amazing game to play over Zoom. It's real easy. Yeah. Um. So we've done that. We've done that with some friends. Uh. It's great. Yeah. One of the ones I picked up this year, thanks to playing at uh, Ken Franklin's place last year. Um. So yeah, pretty excited about that game as well. Uh, my favorite game, which I've I've talked about uh, before on the podcast as well for this year, uh, that I got back in March was Silver and Gold. Um. Mm, yeah. uh, from uh, Pandasaurus. Um, that is just like, it's just the type of roll and write that really, really like 
checks all the boxes for me. No pun intended, because the game is about checking boxes. But, <laughs> uh, you know, there are so many roll and writes that kind of work within these different confines of, you know, um, they kind of all fit like the welcome to model where like things really yeah. scale as you go, like and get tighter and tighter. And, um, and like, and, and that's just, I don't know, like that's just not my deal when it comes to rolling rights. I like the rolling rights that kind of break the mold and in silver and gold does a great job with that where things get tighter, like as your cards start to fill, but then boom, your card is full. And now you have a fresh card again and it's, you're back to the beginning. Um, you know, and that's that feeling of like trying to balance, uh, between the two cards is really cool. Um, and so I just, I, it's, yeah, it's my favorite, uh, my favorite, uh, game of the year. Um, all designed by, I think Philip Walker Harding, right? Is that, I think it's the same, is it? Did I make that up? I think it's the same, the same guy who did Sushi Go. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. Now I'm going to quick look that up just in case I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, as designers, myself. you would think that uh, we would give credit where credit's due. Um, so just one is uh, published by Repose Production, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the designer is Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sauter. And yes, I was correct. It is Philip Walker Harding, uh, who developed silver, who designed silver and gold, Imhotep, um sushi go sushi go party um and several other games that i should probably check out because i seem to like his style so yeah anyways um highly highly recommend that to people wow so i i did the same thing and and ludovic rowdy uh i'm not sure if the other one um but uh yep the both of them are the designers of uh the seventh continent too so they're they they definitely got their shops, uh, uh, designer shops, with a uh, seven continent and just one. That's uh that's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. yes, it is. Some good stuff. All well, right, we did it. We did it. We recapped the year, and we were mostly positive. Uh, I would say like at least like ninety percent positive. I feel pretty good about that. Yes, and, and I would just like to give a round of applause to you, to myself, and to everybody listening to just, I mean, it's it was a hard year, and it's still not over again, but but I'm, I'm definitely proud of everybody for, in their own way, going through this and growing in, in different ways, and, and I, I think it definitely made us better um at the very least yeah, as people true. because uh, while the whole uh social distancing thing is a big thing i think the whole um uh, it's more about the physical distancing than the social part i think it has brought us exactly. together in some sense and and a lot of other things happened this year that we didn't go through uh, as well but but we that a lot of big issues were brought in the forefront that i think it was very important that happened so it was it was a doozy man um i i would want to see how uh you know 50 years from now how how things you know if we're still around <laughs> how, how <laughs> what it, it looks like yeah <laughs> yeah how looking back at it um it's it's definitely gonna when be... i was when i was in my 40s <laughs> there was a <laughs> you're not in your 40s but i'm barely in my 40s it's not even worth mentioning it's like i'm still in my 30s yeah next year i'm gonna be in my 30s but i'm i'm still a youngin right i'm still in my 20s you are you are yes uh but uh right i'm excited again if, if uh uh builders want to talk about their uh their positives or anything going on we have the discord chat right uh, that's been yes, uh, go a to lot Discord. Of, yeah, yeah, a lot of people have been talking there. So that's growing that community, and and having more interaction with the builders. That's awesome. I, I love that. So jump on that and, and let's have a conversation. Yes. So um, builders, yes, go to Discord. Check that out. Make that your New Year's resolution. Sign up for our Discord <laughs> channel. Uh, all of the all of the hosts are there now. Even we even dragged Jason Katarski into it. I don't know if he's going to add anything useful, but he's going to be there and, you know, he'll make some snarky comments or something. So 
Um, it's it's good. It's a great place to hang out. It's really fun to interact with people. I would love more people to be there. So go to our website, buildinggamepodcast.com. You can check that out in the uh, tab that says Discord. It's got the link to that. Um, in addition to that, you could email us to buildinggamepodcast.gmail.com. You could call us at 770-HOTEL-BTG. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG, at J.A. Slingerland, at Hu Nasaru. I don't know why I said it like a youper, at Hu Nasaru. Hu Nasaru, yeah. Hu Nasaru, eh? Um, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, and youper means from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I realize that most people have no idea what that means. Just yep. think Canadian-American. Um, but anyways, um, so uh, yes, follow us on the Twitter uh, and uh, come hang out with us. And yeah, uh, until next time, good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>